Welcome to the Lead On Podcast. This is Jeff Orge, the president of Gateway Seminary, carrying on our continuing conversation about practical issues related to ministry leadership. I have just come through a very uh, draining season of ministry. Nothing negative happened. Just a lot of things did happen. Lots of trips, lots of preaching, lots of meetings, uh, lots of people. In the context of that, I came back to a meeting at my church, a leadership meeting, in which the pastor used a phrase that was new for me. Now, the concept that he was addressing was not new. I've actually talked about it before on the podcast, maybe some years ago. But the phrasing that he used really resonated with me. And I want to talk to you about that phrase today, and more importantly, some strategies to mitigate the impact that the phrase describes. So what am I talking about today? I want to talk about let down Sundays. Let down Sundays. As we went into that meeting at our church, uh, the pastor said, I'm concerned that we're headed toward let down Sunday. And I thought, whoop, you're headed toward what? And he said, let down Sunday. And then he said, that's a phrase I used to describe the Sunday after Easter. Let down Sunday. Well, we all know what that feels like. We've poured massive amounts of energy into Easter Sunday. Uh, We've taxed our volunteers. We've stressed our staff. We have drained ourselves relationally, emotionally, and maybe even physically. And it's only natural that the next Sunday after Easter, for a lot of us, is going to be a letdown Sunday. But that got me thinking that the Sunday after Easter is not the only day that could be described as letdown Sunday. In fact, any time you have a crescendo-type Sunday or a crescendo-type event in the life of your church, if you're not careful, the following Sunday, the following week, will be a letdown Sunday. This could happen certainly at Easter. It can happen at Christmas. It can happen after an event like a vacation Bible school or maybe a church anniversary celebration or even the beginning or the ending of spring break and all that goes along with that week of intense activity. Now, every church will have a different season, different rhythm, and may have different expressions, but all of us face the reality that when we have expended ourselves physically, emotionally, spiritually, and we ha- and when we have asked of our volunteers that they give a tremendous effort in some way, we can expect there to be the natural recovery time that needs to be built in, and those become letdown Sundays. Now again, why does this happen? Well, the first reason is because people are simply exhausted. One of the things that's been beneficial to me has been becoming more of a layman in my church involvement. For the first uh, couple of decades of my uh, ministry leadership life, I was a pastor or an associate pastor or someone who was um, vocationally employed to give leadership in my church. Then I switched over to the kind of work I do now, still very much engaged in ministry leadership, but in my church, I really have what I would describe as a layman's lifestyle. 
I go to church on Sunday. I participate in the activities as a volunteer. I'm not compensated for doing anything at my church. And so everything I do there has to be done in addition to the work I'm doing in the ministry position that I have. That's my vocation. And everything I do at my church not only has to be done in addition to, but it has to be done after I complete my other work, which means I do my church ministry typically on nights and weekends and in other time frames when I'm not working here at the seminary. That has been very helpful to me because it has given me a better understanding of what it's like to be a everyday rank and file member of a church. This may surprise you ministry leaders, but your members are tired. They are working 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 hour weeks. They are trying to fit in uh, school sports, uh, school activities and youth sports. They're trying to fit in some kind of recreation and break for themselves and perhaps for their spouse. They're trying to find time to get the car worked on, get the grass mowed, get the clothes washed. They're finding time to, trying to find time to care for aging relatives or to uh, connect with someone in their family who has a need that they feel obligated to try to help. All of this is going on in the lives of people. And then on top of all of that, we ask them to sing on the worship team, teach Sunday school, sponsor a youth event, show up for elders meetings, sing in a choir, go on a mission trip, and people amazingly say yes because they want to be involved in their church. They want to serve the Lord in that capacity, and they want to help you make a real difference in the world. But having experienced that now from a layman's perspective as it relates to my local church involvement, I can tell you that I am sometimes exhausted from trying to keep up with what's going on in all these capacities. I recently returned from a speaking trip. I came back to a weekend of church activity, and by the time that was over, I went home on Sunday and just needed to lay down for the rest of the day. I was really wiped out. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying today that we shouldn't ask people for this kind of volunteer effort. All I'm underscoring is that when people give it, they're going to be exhausted, and especially when they give it in a crescendo fashion like Easter or Christmas or Vacation Bible School or some other intense time of church ministry and activity, it's only natural that we expect there's going to be some fatigue afterwards. Now, a second reason why we have let down Sundays is because of lack of focus or purpose in what we're trying to accomplish on those Sundays. Now, what I mean is, quite frankly, are you as intentional about what's going to happen in your church the Sunday after Vacation Bible School, the Sunday after Easter, and the Sunday after Christmas, the Sunday after your big anniversary celebration, the Sunday after you return from the major mission trip as you are before you go or before you have the significant event. So fatigue, exhaustion, that's one cause. Failure to have a purpose or an intentionality is a second cause. 
But a third cause for these letdown Sundays is that leaders simply fail to plan for meaningful and effective things to happen on those days. Now, I learned this lesson many years ago when I was still a pastor. And so what I would do, particularly with my worship leaders, is I would call them into my office right after Christmas, early in January, and I would say, listen, I know we're shifting our focus toward Easter now, and you're no doubt already thinking about some major Easter extravaganza that you're hoping to pull off, special singing, special dramas, a special use of media, and I'm all for that. But before we meet to plan any of that, I want to see your detailed, written uh, plan for the Sunday after Easter. And I actually required uh, my worship leaders to first make an intentional plan for the Sunday after Easter and to get that plan approved by me before I was willing to talk with them about what we were going to do on Easter. You see, I didn't have that phrase let down Sunday in my vocabulary yet, but I knew that if we weren't careful, that the Sundays after these major crescendo events in a church, particularly Easter, the Sunday after would be a lost opportunity because we would fail to plan, have no intentionality, and not recognize fully the fatigue or the exhaustion that people would have coming back on that day. So, If we are going to acknowledge the response of people and be intentional about what we do and make a plan that we can implement so that we don't have this much of a letdown, then what should be the goals? The goals of what I will call letdown Sunday planning. Well, number one, the first and most important thing is you want to have a meaningful worship experience. You want to have a meaningful Sunday experience. You want to have a meaningful uh, experience for everyone who is involved in and on your campus that following day or that following Sunday from these major events. That means you're going to give attention to the music. You're going to give attention to the preaching. You're going to give attention to the programming. You're going to give attention to the small groups and to other activities that may be going on on your campus. So the first thing is we want it to be meaningful. The second thing is we want to plan something and actually do something that generates new momentum, if you will, generates standalone momentum for that particular day. You know, Easter has a momentum. Everyone knows it's coming, and people are excited about it, and they get uh, enthused about preparing the extra music, preparing the extra studies, preparing the extra outreach. They think about what they're going to wear and where they're going to eat and how many of their family they're going to invite or what they're going to do with their family after it's all over. There's an intention, there, there, excuse me, there's a momentum that builds about Easter because of all that goes along with it. In order to have that same kind of momentum for a standalone service at, and to prevent it being a, a um, letdown Sunday, you're going to have to have something that generates new momentum that in and of itself has some kind of enthusiasm associated with it. And then the third goal, first being have a meaningful experience, second, have something that generates its own momentum, but the third goal is to give your regular volunteers a break. Just simply acknowledge that they are going to need a break and that you're going to plan for that to happen. 
Now, let me hasten to say, you're not going to be able to give all the volunteers in your church a complete break the Sunday after Easter or the Sunday after Christmas or the Sunday after Vacation Bible School or some other major event. There are going to have to be people who are participating and doing so maybe at a lesser level. But there are key volunteers, the leaders that you've really depended on in this previous experience that's been so draining and so focused that you do need to give those people a break so that they're not be expected to lead with any kind of level of intensity on the Sunday after one of these big events as they did during the event. So our goals are threefold. Our goals for these so-called letdown Sundays are meaningful experience that has its own momentum and gives the normal leaders a break. So how do we accomplish this? Well, four steps. Number one, plan ahead. Plan ahead. Now, I know you're spending all your time planning Christmas. You're spending all your time planning Easter. You're spending all your time planning Bible school or whatever other event that really drains your church's resources. Well, how much time are you spending planning for what happens after that? That's what I'm talking about today that you have to be very intentional to plan ahead to make these experiences that follow these crescendo moments as significant as possible so that they are meaningful with their own momentum and give people a break. So the first step is to plan ahead, to devote some significant planning time to these events, these letdown Sundays, so that they don't become just a casual thing we forget about until it's too late to do anything meaningful. And I would advocate those of you who are in leadership to follow the pattern I followed, especially in the last few years of my pastoral service. And that is, when we would be planning one of these major events, I would say, before we're going to put that on the agenda, we have to plan what happens after the event. Once we get that settled, then I'm willing to go back and talk about the event. This forced people to get this planning done because they knew that I was serious. I wasn't going to get to this major event, which they had some anxiety about getting to work on. They knew we weren't going to do that until they had finalized a plan for what was going to happen after the big event. Second, a second thing you can do that makes for a meaningful event, which has its own momentum and gives people that are normally in leadership a break. A second thing you can do is use outside guests and outside leaders and outside activities on these letdown Sundays. Bring in people from the outside. Now, you may be thinking, I just don't have a big budget for that. Well, I had no budget for this when I was a church planter, but I still found a way to do it. Let me see if I can give you several suggestions about how you can bring people from the outside into your ministry context to prevent these letdown Sundays. The first thing you can do is invite outside guest musicians. And you're thinking, oh, but they're so expensive. Well, they're really not. If you live anywhere close to a Christian university, contact that school and say, I would like to invite one of your music ensembles to come and lead our worship on this particular Sunday. And every Christian university has small groups of students that they have trained and equipped that they send out on these kind of public events 
the university will send them to lead your worship by singing songs, by leading congregational singing, and by presenting a program of Christian worship in your service that morning. And it doesn't have to be the whole service. You can ask them to do 20 to 30 minutes of this, and then you can still preach a message and continue on in that vein as well. This is one way to bring outside uh, resources to bear that gives all of your musicians a break, your choir a break, your worship team a break, and your worship leaders a break. Everybody who's just poured their heart and soul into Easter or Christmas can stand down the following Sunday and can enjoy being led in worship by these outside guests that you bring in. Now you say, well, uh, we don't have that kind of resource around us. Well, I didn't either necessarily when I was a church planter. So what I did was I would look around at some larger churches and I would see them doing some major extravaganza on Easter. And I would say, uh, is there anyone in your worship ministry that would like to come to our church the Sunday after Easter and present maybe a portion of that program to us? Maybe by singing two or three of the songs or by presenting the solos from your, from your uh, performance or something like that. Or do you have a youth ensemble? Or do you have a youth choir that you would send to us that could lead our worship on this special day? So that's another source of finding people to come and to participate in your service, looking, looking around at churches, larger churches, and inviting people to come from their worship ministry or from their youth program or from their even youth choir, if they have one, to sing for you. Now, that's just a couple of ideas about what you can do in the worship context. Uh, you can also do the same thing with the preaching. This would be a good Sunday to invite a guest, that you have someone that you'd like to bring in uh, to preach in your church. Bring that person in on one of these so-called letdown Sundays and couple that person with maybe these special musicians that you're bringing and have a really remarkable day of special presentations in your worship service. Here's another thing. When you think about this outside of Christmas and Easter, think about alternative activities to give your volunteers a break and to give the people who've participated in the week long or the, 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 uh, the week before some kind of different experience. So I know this is a bit dated, but still has some application. When I was a children's minister, for example, the Sunday after vacation Bible school, uh, we gave all of our Sunday school staff and everyone that was associated with that a break on Sunday. Now, we ask them to still come and help us provide supervision for children, but on those Sundays after Bible school, we would have Christian movie day in Sunday school, or we would bring in an outside person like a Christian illusionist or someone who, who speaks to children and shows uh, by different object lessons and things like that, presentations of the gospel. And so those are the Sundays when I would bring in these outside guests. And the children who've just finished a week of vacation Bible school or just finished a week of children's camp... You know, they're ready for a break, too. They don't want to go back to another class. And so giving them this kind of alternative activity. Sometimes we even did uh, on that Sunday more of a devotional and game-type Sunday where there were outdoor activities and things children could be involved in that really gave them a break uh, from the normal routine of Sunday school. Now, you say, yeah, but you need to teach the Bible on those Sundays. Well, maybe I've just taught the Bible for five consecutive days to these same children in vacation Bible school. I think they can have a break just like everyone else can. So I'm saying that you can use outside guests, worship teams, youth choirs, ensembles from Christian universities, movie days, uh, outside people to come in that are like illusionists or other entertainers that do things that uh, communicate the gospel to children. You can plan a, uh, an event day or a play day or an activity day, uh, something like that. 
Now, obviously, especially with children, you're still going to need volunteers. You still need supervision and all of that, and I get that. But people are getting a break from their regular duties, from the preparation of their lesson, from the management of their class, from the pressure of having to show up and deliver a certain kind of content, and you're giving them that break, even though you still may be asking them to provide some ministry and supervision along the way. So plan ahead and use outside guests. Now, the the third thing you can do is you can do events that utilize other workers. So for example, it's a good time to say, uh, we're going to keep it in-house, but on the Sunday after Vacation Bible School, we're asking that Sunday for all of our teenagers to be our uh, children's Bible teachers. And we're going to let our youth pastor train his teenagers to come into the children's ministry and do the Bible teaching. Now, I realize that might only work perhaps in a larger church, but don't give up on the idea, even in a smaller church, that you could make make this supposedly let down Sunday a day when you actually bring new people in and give them an opportunity to do Bible teaching or other kinds of things. This could also be a time when you say we're going to have Youth Sunday and our teenagers and young adults are going to lead the worship service as opposed to our regular worship team. And we're going to have them provide the ushering and they're going to receive the offering and they're going to be the ones who are doing the primary leading in various aspects of our service by praying and these other kinds of things. So in this case, rather than using outside guests, you're making it inside and an, making it an inside activity, but you're actually doing the same thing in that you're giving a break to the people who normally lead and you're bringing new energy and new momentum because you're asking people to take on a task that might be new for them that gives them the spiritual challenge and motivation uh, to get involved in the planning and the, act, and the actual doing of it and to make the whole thing happen. So that's three suggestions. Plan ahead. Plan to use outside guests plan to use inside leaders to do things that you are to that people you don't normally use to do things they don't normally do and even to use it as a developmental and a time of fulfilling the opportunity to train people who may become future workers and leaders for you. And then there's one last thing that you can do. One last thing that you can do that will eliminate some of these let down Sundays. And that is minimize the hoopla that goes with these big event days in your church. Now, I know what you're thinking. Oh, no, Jeff. We need to pull out all the stops on Easter. We need to pull out all the stops on Christmas. We need to pull out all the stops on our anniversary. We need to pull out all the stops on our vacation Bible school week. We need to do everything we can there because that's our one opportunity to make an impact in our community. Well, it's really not. Now, Obviously, I am for making these events special, but I'm just asking you to consider that perhaps the overall ministry of your church would be stronger if you did not, if you did not go to such remarkable extremes two or three or four times a year, but instead mitigated or moderated that just a bit so that you could have a higher level of performance on more Sundays and more weeks through the year. You know, one of the things that I learned uh, along the way is that whatever you do to attract and reach people, you often have to keep doing in order to retain them. 
That means you have to keep offering a bigger and bigger show if you're going to attract and keep people who are looking just for that in their church or ministry engagement. But if you reach people with a consistent quality of worship and Bible teaching and programming for children and youth and the consistent kind of ministry that is offered through a church into a community where there are some highs and some lows, but not dramatic changes week to week, I think, I really think, you'll see a healthier church, a more balanced ministry, and an even more effective reaching of people with the gospel. Yes, I know some churches do very well with these remarkable extravaganza-type events, but most don't they would be better served to have some special features in these events, but to keep their focus on having less extravaganza and less hoopla (laughs) and more consistency week to week. Now, again, don't misunderstand. I want you to have special events and special days, high days, holy days, uh, remarkable days. But if you're depending on exceeding yourself every year, so that you can have an ever-increasing magnitude of how special these events really are. I think you'll only find yourself and the people you're leading frustrated. So one way to mitigate Letdown Sunday is to just make sure that you're not putting too much emphasis on these special events to the denigration of all that goes on around them and, frankly, to the limitation of the ministry you're trying to accomplish. So I've got a new phrase for you. Let down Sunday. It's not a new concept. It's what happens when we experience the exhaustion that comes from pouring ourselves out into ministry. It happens because we have a lack of focus or purpose on what we want to accomplish on those Sundays after these crescendo type events. And it can be resolved when leaders take the initiative to make good plans to eliminate or at least mitigate this concept of let down Sunday. And I'm challenging you that you can have meaningful experiences on your campus on these particular Sundays by doing something that generates its own momentum and by giving your regular volunteers a break from the pressure to lead that they feel week by week by week. So plan ahead. Make your letdown Sunday plan before you make your crescendo Sunday or crescendo event plan. Use outside guests who can come in and give you new energy, new momentum, and who will uh, give your volunteers and your leaders a break, or use new inside leaders, people who will step up for one Sunday and take responsibility for what needs to be done. Don't be afraid to be creative by calling Christian universities, larger churches, or others who may be able to provide you these kind of outside momentum-building resources that you need. And then, and then, just be careful that you don't fall into this pattern of putting all of your hopes, all of your expectations, and all of your energy into these very few special event, extravaganza-type Sundays or weeks of ministry to the denigration of a consistency over time that really does, really does effectively reach people and train them for the gospel. Well, let down Sundays. Let's see if we can not just perhaps eliminate them, 
but at least mitigate them. Let's see if we can even out the effectiveness of the ministry of our churches and not have these slumps that come after these major crescendo-type events in the churches. Think about it. Put the best part of this planning and this thinking into practice. See if you can start getting ready now for these summer events that are coming and the Sundays that will follow them, and even thinking ahead to Christmas and next Easter, how you will plan to generate momentum, give volunteers a break, and do something solid, helpful, healthy, gospel-expanding on these so-called Let Down Sundays. I know you can do it as you lead on.